Good evening. Um, maybe it's the youth pastor leader in me, but I'm a huge fan of hypothetical questions. Um, things like, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Or if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? I love thinking about these questions and kind of our motives behind them. I love asking the why. Why do we want to do those things? Why would we choose those things? What is it that we prioritize? Why would I want to be able to fly? What, what, what about flying appeals to me? Why would I want to be able to read someone's mind? I don't think I would really want to be able to do that, but why would I want to be able to turn things into gold? And maybe the question that for me came up most in my childhood, uh, we loved the movie Aladdin, and uh, the magic genie lamp where you get three wishes was always something that we thought very seriously about. How would you use your three wishes? I eventually got to the age where it was like, okay, you wish for more wishes, that's the obvious one, and then you kind of just do whatever you want, but we all know that's cheating. If you had three wishes, what would you wish for? As a good Christian kid, I used to think, okay, before I wish for a billion dollars, I need to wish for world peace, uh, ending global hunger, whatever it is. But seriously, what is it that you would wish for? Because this sermon is kind of based on that idea. What is it in this world that you want more than anything else? It might sound tacky or cliche, but I really want to explore with you tonight that Christmas is actually the most incredible thing that we could ever hope or dream for. It's incredible. It's ridiculous. It's incredible news. Christmas is the fulfillment of our deepest desires, our deepest needs. And if you haven't experienced that, I don't want you to miss out tonight. And if you have, I want to rejoice with you. But before we kind of get into it, let's just pray together again. Heavenly Father, we welcome you again into this space. I want to ask that you speak through me. Help us all to be reminded of the true glory of Christmas. Spark new excitement for it. New love for how good you are to us. Amen. So our reading tonight is actually all about good news. Uh, These ordinary, normal shepherds are in their fields, kind of minding their own business when, boom, an angel appears to them out of nowhere. It would have been a pretty radical thing to happen. Uh, Can you imagine yourself in this position? It would just be shock, right? But the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then before you know it, there's this host of angels, all these angels singing and declaring glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. As weird as this situation is, it's, it's also kind of the situation you might find yourself in right now. You're a normal person, right? These shepherds were normal people. They were maybe doing the thing that they normally do. Maybe it's tradition you come here. Maybe this is already a new thing. But already you've had this angelic-looking band, thank you very much, declaring something to you, telling you good news. And it's not just one person. It's a whole group of people in here singing, declaring something. And specifically, you're being told that tomorrow represents it's the coming of a saviour, Jesus' birth. 
And maybe you're sitting here excited to celebrate tomorrow. Maybe you're sitting here and being like, yes, it is so good. And I'm about to hopefully give you more reasons to be excited, but maybe you're also sitting here thinking, this good news doesn't really feel like good news. It feels old or dry or has never really been that exciting to you. And let me just say, I can absolutely relate to that. I spent a long time calling myself a Christian, doing all the Christian things, coming to services like this and and not feeling like this was good news. And I want to explore that especially with you. And first, I want to ask the question, what even is good news? I've been uh, reading this uh, incredible biography of this German guy named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Has anyone heard of him before? Has anyone read his book? He's an incredible guy. I absolutely recommend the book to you. I wish I could share more about him, but I'll just share a little bit. He uh, lived during the Nazi regime, um, grew up in Germany. He wasn't a Jew, but um, he stood against everything that Hitler spouted with his anti-Jewish fanaticism. Bonhoeffer saw thousands of Jews, his friends, being tortured and persecuted, thrown in jail just because of who they were, just simply because of their race. And he never, he never could just let it go by. For me, I don't think as a kid I could ever really understand what the Holocaust meant, the, the horror, the evil that happened. Can you imagine being taken away from this place, from anything you know and put in prison Nothing because of what you've done, just because of who you are. Spending day after day after day trapped, unable to see your family, your friends, hopeless. Knowing that this ultra-powerful military army had held you there. Every day is a new risk that maybe you'll be killed. Maybe your friend next to you that you've been getting to know will be killed. The Jews would have been constantly on edge. It would have been terrifying. The Bonhoeffer was this incredible guy who, although he wasn't a Jew, he took a stand with these people. Eventually, he ended up getting arrested. He knew it was coming, but he stood with them anyway. He ended up going to a high-security political prison and, and again, tortured, and these friends that he had made were killed. Eventually, he was even executed for, for taking this stand. So I want to ask you the question again, what is good news? I can imagine for the Jews, the good news is the allied forces are coming. There's hope on the horizon. Hearing from the new inmates or hearing from German guards or whatever it was, hearing that the allied forces are steadily, steadily making their way towards them. It would have brought incredible hope. And I think a huge part of good news is hope. Have you ever thought about the role that hope plays in your life? I wonder if you've ever experienced hopelessness. That that feeling of being trapped. Nothing can fix this. I, I don't know what is going to get better. But Christmas is the birth of eternal joy because we have this unfathomable hope that no matter what happens in this world, There's more. Because life is hard, it's complicated, it's full of challenges. But in this example, these trapped Jews, good news was something that met their deepest need. 
And the bigger their need, the better the news was when it was eventually coming. And this is what happened to Bonhoeffer. This is what happened that transformed his life. It was all about hope. It was all about Christmas. Jesus coming into this world. He was willing to give up his comfortable, wealthy life because he had hope in something greater. And this is the hope that our passage is all about. The shepherds were invited by the angels. I just want to read a little bit of the passage again. They were invited by the angels to seek out this newborn king, to experience the hope for themselves. Verses 16 to 18. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning about what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. If good, ho- if good news is hope that meets a need, what is it in your life that you need? What would, good lo- what would good news look like for you? What would it take to turn you into a messenger to make you be willing to go out and share something? To get excited about it. If you had that one wish, what would it be? And let me share a little bit of my experience to hopefully ground this for you, hopefully to make it make a little bit more sense. Um, at the start, I said that I loved hypothetical questions because they help me identify my motives. They help me think about what really is going on in my head. I've shared a little bit of this with you guys before, but um, this journey all kind of started with me understanding how much of me feels this need to be loved and liked by people. I want to be liked. I want to be admired. I want to be respected by people. And as I reflected, and as I started spending time slowing down and thinking about this, you can start linking your actions with your motives, right? I'd do something stupid like lie to my wife, and I know that's really dumb, but... As I started thinking about it, it was because I wanted to hide some part of me from her. I wanted to impress her, and I knew that that part of me wasn't going to impress her, so I'd lie. This, this action, this lie was just coming from fear. So much of my action, so much of my day-to-day life is ruled by fear. Fear that if someone knew that about me, or if I did that this way, then they might not like me. It was fear that I might not be enough. I might not be impressive enough, kind enough, smart enough, good-looking enough, interesting enough, fun enough, whatever it is. And I wonder if you can relate to that, this deep sense of, of really wanting to know, am I enough? Because if you want to be loved, like I know I want to be loved, I'm constantly asking this question, am I enough? And here's where the good news comes in. And I just want to look closely at verses 10 to 12. The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. The good news of great joy is for all of the people. The shepherds were these normal people, but they were told by the the angels that the news was for them. And the news is for you tonight. It is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. (laughs) That for me is amazing. God came into this world. 
He didn't sit up there saying, do all these things to impress me, to get up here. He comes to us. He pursues us. Simply despite our rebellion against him again and again, choosing to not live his way but live our own way, he still comes and pursues us. That's crazy, right? Totally undeserved grace. And the last thing that the angels say to them is that this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I think for me, this is the the biggest part that amazes me. This, This is a sign for you. It's not the sign that it's the swaddling cloths. That's a really normal thing for babies to be wrapped in, right? But Jesus was born in a manger of all places that God would come into this world and be born It was a manger. And I think we tend to romanticize this manger a little bit, but if we really think about it, it was a feeding trough. Donkeys or cattle or whatever would eat out of this thing. And there's no doubt that that Mary and Joseph would have done everything they could to clean this little trough, this manger up, but it was a dirty place. It was an uncomfortable place. It wasn't the place where you expect a king royalty to come but Christ the Lord the king of heaven came to earth for you and was born in a manger and it was all designed just to be a sign for us he didn't need to do it this way have you ever wondered if God loves you for me I have again and again every day I I, I get into spaces where I wonder, does, does God really love me? Can he really love me? I'm not perfect. I stuff up way more than I'd like to admit. I don't like myself half the time. But this here is proof. It's undeniable. It's historical. It, it really happened that Jesus was born in a manger. Christmas is proof that God loves you enough to endure an uncomfortable, pain-filled life. He actually wants you. Jesus was born into poverty. He became poor that you might become rich. This deep question, am I able to be loved? Am I loved? Is ultimately ended. It's done. He loves you that much. And not only does his coming show how much he loves us, but as Tom shared a little bit of, we know that he dies for us too. Romans 5 verse 8 is such a well-known verse. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's guilt taken away, sin covered, perfect righteousness provided, death defeated. We have eternal life in him. We have an incredible saviour and Christmas is all about celebrating this. I wanted to preach only quickly for you guys tonight and I just want to wrap up here and leave you with something to reflect on. Like the shepherds responded to the news, how are you going to respond to this news? The shepherds heard, they went and they found Jesus. They discovered something incredible about him and then they wanted to share it with everyone they met. They rejoiced. It was so exciting. You have this opportunity to go and, and, ch- and check out what it's all about. Bonhoeffer heard the news and, 
And he was baffled by God's incredible love for him. So much that he was willing to live a radical, uncomfortable life. This truth became the most central thing in his life. It was better than any other circumstances to know that Jesus loved him. It gave him joy. And it's the same discovery that I hope you've found. I know it's changed my life completely. Tomorrow is a chance to remember and rejoice in the Savior that has set you free. There's so much more to life than fancy cars or popularity or fame or a good job. It's only Jesus that will satisfy your deepest longings. Let me just pray. Thank you, God, for the beauty and the glory of Christmas. Thank you for coming for us, to coming to us, that you just want to be in relationship with us. Thank you that you want us to have radical, everlasting joy in you for bringing peace and hope to earth. Help us to feel this more than we ever have before, to feel your presence and to rejoice in who you are. Amen.